The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hey, this is Matt Landry, the voice of Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars The Clone Wars. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars. This is where the fun begins. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 180. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Hey everyone, I'm Angela Ciolana and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away. From movies to books to TV shows and more, we are looking at the deeper themes and meanings found in Star Wars. Today we are continuing to explore the Force and spirituality by taking a look at Force ghosts and the afterlife. On our crew tonight, we have the Dadalorian, Patrick Mason. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Angela. How's it going? It's going good. And uh, cruising on and around the corner here, we have the pod racer, Ryan Nafziger. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. It is good to be back. <laughs> well, um, speaking of things coming in, we have some breaking news, or I don't know how breaking this is, but... In Star Wars news, we have uh, some big personnel changes at Lucasfilm. So let's talk about that. First of all, we've got Dave Filoni revealing to Variety Magazine that he is the chief creative officer of Lucasfilm, which places him in the development process much earlier along and in a more expansive capacity than his previous advisory duties. So according to Variety, Filoni will now work more directly with Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy and alongside Carrie Beck, a veteran producer turned head of development to originate and shepherd the new new generation, the next generation of Star Wars shows and movies. So Dave described his responsibilities as understanding the intent of the filmmakers and being a resource to them based on his mentorship under George Lucas and his years spent steering the Clone Wars, Rebels, and Ahsoka series. And of course, Kathleen Kennedy will continue leading the overall company as president of Lucasfilm. And Carrie Beck's new role will involve recruiting other storytellers into the Star Wars fold. So Dave Filoni is going to be more on a narrative level. All right, so I am curious if you guys think this will be um, that we'll be able to see uh, the changes on screen going forward. Are you excited about this? Does it make a difference to you? Um, Give me your thoughts, Ryan. Well, it doesn't make a difference to me quite yet because I'm pretty sure that it hasn't really impacted anything. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, they've strung together multiple cohesive Star Wars shows that are pretty much all around loved by a good chunk of the fan base. So it's not as if he's a 
controversial Star Wars figure. <laughs> uh, I mean, true. There certainly have been more controversial Star Wars figures <laughs> that have been elevated to high roles. So I'm sure he, with his experience in building a a cohesive story that spans across multiple years, multiple shows, and multiple settings, will be a good fit for the team. And to be honest, I can't really think of anyone else who would do better in his particular situation, uh, given his experience and what he's got. So that's a great thing, I think. It's a great thing to see him where he is now. Pat, what about you? Yeah, I think it's a good move. Um, I think in in a lot of ways, it's kind of felt like Star Wars has had sort of a disparity in some of its how it's gone about things and some of the stories it's told since Disney um, took the reins. And it, before it was sort of like Lucas was the was the binding element right in the center of right. it all. It sort of hasn't had that since then. Um, you could say maybe Kathleen Kennedy, but the reality of it is she was in charge of all of Lucasfilm, and they they do more than just Star Wars, so. Um, I like the fact that Filoni's going to be taking that, that role and he's going to be kind of filling that gap and providing the sort of cohesive storytelling element. I think he's done a good job with his, uh, Filoni-verse <laughs> portion of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I think he's got a, he had a great mentor in Lucas for Star Wars and I think he had a great, uh, mentor slash co, you know, cohort with uh favreau uh who has done you know amazing work within the the mcu so i think the the concept of star wars being kind of a cohesive uh universe is very f- foremost in in filoni's mind i think that's a very good thing for the future of star wars hopefully hopefully it'll pan out um we'll see <laughs> you know <laughs> haven't seen anything yet obviously but yeah right yeah i agree um and also, it, it is great to hear that Carrie Beck is being recognized for her production work because, you know, she's been working on all the series that we've been talking about on the podcast. Um, and she's been, you know, she's been one of the main producers. So uh, it's it's great to see that, you know, I wonder if this is Kathleen Kennedy saying, hey, you know, maybe Carrie Beck would be a good person to sort of replace me down the line. Um, you always got to think about that. So that's another thing I would sort of add there. But uh, yeah, it's exciting times. We roll, we keep rolling along um, in multiple galaxies now, far, far away. (laughs) So um, yeah, it'll be interesting. The one last thing I was going to say was this team, I think, will be able to produce better Star Wars movies than we have previously seen post-Disney. It's like a, it's a stronger framework, I would say, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like we've got a, I think we've got a team that's like more from the heart of Star Wars in a way. You know, right. Like people from the previous era. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like a bridge. That's yep. a good framework. Bridge into the, bridge into the worlds. Mm hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of bridging the worlds. (laughs) (laughs) Cue that up there. That was good. (laughs) Yeah. Totally didn't plan that. (laughs) Yes. Um, Well, I know what you were teeing up um, was totally that we want to 
thank the people that actually bridge everything for us, our patrons, to kind of make this show possible, right? That's what you wanted, Ryan? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're so grateful to our patrons, including Brock R., Nathan S., Joseph H., Jeff H., and Gretchen B. Thank you all so much. And if you want to help StarQuest continue our mission, please consider becoming a patron like them. You can do so at sqpn.com slash give. All right. So um, now that we have, yes, teed up everything, we are finally diving into our topic today. Our main topic, I should say, uh, immersing ourselves in the world of horse ghosts. Okay, guys. So um, first of all, <laughs> mm. <laughs> it feels like a weird time to be talking all about this. <laughs> Okay, um, so I'm not Jimmy Aiken, so this is going to be a little bit different. <laughs> We're not going to be like exploring the metaphysics of horse ghosts quite like he would. But um, let's just start off with the fun stuff. What do you guys like about horse ghost sightings? Give me one or two of your favorite. Well, let's start with one and then we'll see where we are. One of your favorite Force Ghost sightings in the Star Wars canon. <laughs> I know Ryan was eager to share. So we'll start with you first and then we'll roll on back to Patrick. <laughs> I like um, when thinks I'm going to talk about Yoda. No. Um, Yoda is a very cool force ghost and he certainly has more screen time appearance but I like Qui-Gon's force ghost because if you look at the Star Wars timeline Yoda learns from Qui-Gon some secrets on how to be a force ghost because Qui-Gon was a force ghost before Yoda died and before Obi-Wan died Qui-Gon as a force ghost completes Obi-Wan's training um, as we see at the very end of the Kenobi series with um, Qui-Gon following or Obi-Wan following Qui-Gon's force ghost um, away into the, I believe, the Judlin Wastes. Um, so that's why I like him. Um, also, in a way, he's kind of been a force ghost that gets more recognition because, you know, the very first Star Wars Episode One, we finally see a Jedi that doesn't become a Force ghost. Like we see Qui-Gon's body burning and dying, and then we learn through the rest of the series and then into the Clone Wars era that um, Qui-Gon actually is able to take a physical form in the form of a Force ghost. And then finally, at long last, we see Liam Neeson return. No, just kidding. Um, we see um, <laughs> we see Qui-Gon on the silver screen, returning as a Force ghost in the Obi-Wan series. So I think that he deserves some recognition, which is why I'm bringing him up. <laughs> yeah, our favorite Irish Force ghost. Yes. <laughs> um, totally. I like his, um, shall we say, sass with yes. Obi-Wan <laughs> as well. Um, Patrick, what about you? What's one of your favorite Force ghost settings? Um, so it's hard not to go to Ahsoka, um, and Anakin, mm. but I think really I like the very, the very first one we see, which is Obi-Wan. 
um, and in particular his conversation with Luke on Dagobah, where he kind of owns up to the fact that he lied to him. (laughs) Oh, yeah, so he killed your father from a certain point of view. (laughs) (laughs) And Luke Um, is from a certain point of view. Well, you see. (laughs) Yeah, well. um, But I do like that, that, you know, him, you know, you kind of get the, the sort of head, you know, voice in the head thing in, in episode four, but you really get to see Obi-Wan in episode five and you get the the feeling like you're like, like, what did he mean when he told Vader he was going to be more powerful than he could, you know, ever imagine or that he like, that didn't make any sense. Like, and, and so you sort of get a feel for, okay, there's more to this. And it, it, it also kind of sets up this whole concept of an afterlife uh within the force especially i i like it from a spiritual reason because it it firmly sets into motion the concept that there is not a like a reincarnation cycle mm. which sort of yoda's kind of you know philosophical explanation of the force would seem to maybe push towards right that mm-hmm. there is a sort of um, you know, death and rebirth and, and life and decay. Um, but, you know, then you have Obi-Wan show up as a force ghost and you're like, okay, well, if it's a reincarnative cycle, then you can't have force ghosts unless there's some, unless the Jedi are like totally breaking the cycle. And that doesn't seem very Jedi. So like, I, I like that from a spirituality perspective that it doesn't set up the concept of, of reincarnation because I kind of like the, the concept that, individuals are individuals in star wars like they they mm-hmm. you know they are who they are and it's not just one in a chain kind of a deal yeah i agree with that um the i would say i would go with since you guys have touched on the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy and i guess well yeah obi-wan series was technically like prequel right so i guess i'll go with sequel um, when Ray is like frustrated and she's burning a bunch of stuff and she gets her lightsaber and she starts to throw it into the fire and then this arm just like pops out of the fire and catches it <laughs> and Luke mm-hmm. comes out, force goes Luke and he's like, a Jedi's weapon deserves more respect. <laughs> <laughs> Mister sticks his face into it the first time he sees it. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we all know that was a retcon, but I mean, come on. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I just, I really enjoy the lessons that Ray learns as well. Um, It's cool to see, it was really cool watching the sequels to see that cycle of the teacher and the learner, right, continue with the character that we saw as a learner and now as a teacher, and Luke. Um, so that was really fun for me to watch. Um, and I think it gives all of us some hope that, you know, we can all lose our way. And, and Luke says, you know, I was wrong to stay here on this Island and all that good stuff. So, you know, it's just like when you're a force ghost, you just have all this perspective on your life and you can (laughs) coach people. Well, um, so, can I say of one that, thing about a sequel Force Ghost? Oh I yes, please. I I do have to say I love the scene where Yoda burns the sacred texts. Yes, mm-hmm. um, yeah. that is one of my favorite <laughs> Force Ghost scenes, um, and it remains 
one of my favorite Force Ghost scenes, even after the really cool one with Anakin fighting Ahsoka. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if he was a force ghost. If he was a force ghost. <laughs> right, yeah, it's it's hard to say because like that the one's world, in the middle. Yeah, right? the world between the or the yeah. Yeah. So, there's a question mark. Like are those actually right. force ghosts? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Or is it like some kind of weird dream she's having or Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. Was it wasn't Anakin at all, is the is one question. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother thing, but yeah, the, the, I guess we'll just stick with, in our discussion today, we'll just stick with the known force ghosts. Um, the, conf- I guess, I don't know you would say confirmed, but the, uh, agreed upon force ghosts in the canon. And, um, yeah, that, that scene with Yoda, I think I've said this in previous episodes of the podcast, but that scene with Yoda, force ghost Yoda is my favorite one of one of my favorite scenes in all of star wars force ghost or not so um but yeah i mean he he is i think yoda obi-wan and qui-gon and luke are all somewhat sassy as force ghosts so (laughs) you don't lose your sense of humor after death which is great Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, heaven would be so boring if we all lost our senses of humor. <laughs> no fun you at all. You can still joke. <laughs> well, you know, like when you hear ghost stories just in like this galaxy in real life, right? Like they're scary and they're freaky, right? Like they're never just like, oh, this ghost just appeared and started doing a funny dance. And, you know, like, <laughs> and I left. Um, so I've never thought about that. I'm like, (laughs) our ghosts suck. Like, aging Jimmy Aiken, funny ghost stories, the mysterious world episode. Paging Jimmy, (laughs) paging Jimmy. Disclosure: I do not have have the ability to page Jimmy. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well. That aside, that sad fact aside that our our ghosts are no fun, um, at least we're in Star Wars for the time being. And Force ghosts are really, um, you know, they're fun, they're they're motivational, um, they chide, all kinds of things. So let's talk about, like, what role do Force ghosts play in Star Wars or multiple roles? I mean, I, I think I mentioned like coach or mentor. That would be a major one, right? What else can you think of besides that? I mean, is that basically the whole point of being a force ghost is that you can just continue to mentor people in the afterlife? I think there might be some there might be some sort of like uh, power granting involved, I think. Um, because one thing we've been talking about a lot with force ghosts that we haven't considered is uh the uh night sisters and the ability of for them to not to reanimate like dead bodies with past spirits so i think that there might also be an element of uh like drawing on the power of past spirits who are of the force to control things to animate spirits i mean presumably Presumably in ways that you wouldn't even expect. I mean, 
back in the recent Ahsoka series, we saw stormtroopers reanimated like they weren't force ghosts, obviously, but in other Star Wars media, you see like um, you see force ghosts in play, so to speak, with granting people power uh, among the among the force witches. So I think there's something to be said for maybe a a darker side of force ghosts sort of um, soul and like maybe not soul entrapment, but maybe sort of like a dark side reanimation sort of uh, a reanimation magic um, being wielded by these um, less good aligned um, wielders of the force. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about it. And I think every time, pretty much every time they show up, it seems to be in some sort of mentoring role because uh, we have like the cadre that shows up at the end with Ray uh, at the end of episode nine and, it, and but it, it, not so much mentoring as like support or um, almost fighting through and with her at the same time um, I'm kind of I'm trying to like like pull trying to pull analogs and the best one I can get is sort of like the people who live in the paintings in Harry Potter like they're oh, yeah they're still like sort of reflections of the people they were, but mostly what they do is message <laughs> their messengers effectively is that they, they can mm. do that kind of thing. But it's, it's always been curious to my mind, like what are they doing the rest of the time? Is it <laughs> like, you know, is there a forced couch and a forced television and some forced Cheetos? <laughs> like, is you know, what, what, what does, Cheeto. <laughs> what does a, I just wanted to take a moment to think about what do they do? Well, I think there wasn't. Oh, I was gonna say. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say. Um, I think there was some discussion way back in a late Clone Wars episode with uh, Yoda that uh, Clone bigger Clone Wars fans than I am will remember like the exact episode probably by name, but um, the episode where Yoda learns um, techniques of the Force to persist after death. I think there was some discussion there where some Force ghosts simply just pass into. I don't know if it was like talked about as an extended state of like sleep or just non-existence or becoming like one with the Force in a more reincarnation-y sort of way, but I I think that exists. I I don't remember for sure though. Hmm. Well, what I'm thinking about is when Qui Gon is talking to um, Obi Wan in the Obi Wan series, and uh, Obi Wan says something like, "I thought you'd never come," something like that, and and Qui Gon says, "I've always been here. Uh, you just were not ready to see." So maybe they just kind of walk alongside almost like you know guardian angels maybe um but then when the learner is ready to see them then they are able to communicate with them commune with them somehow i don't know i'm sure the rules are not quite as you know set in stone as we would want them to be like it's not a a board game or anything but (laughs) Yeah, it's not like a RPG mechanic. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting because you have most of the, I think the learners end up getting some mentoring, some chats with a force ghost at some point. 
and mm-hmm. with Ahsoka, we don't we don't get that necessarily. We get the world between worlds encounter, and so I kind of wonder why they went that option with it because they could theoretically have had Anakin's Force Ghost show up like on her ship or at some other point in the story, and so I'm wondering why they went that direction with the storytelling. Like why they need they thought they needed to bring her into the world between worlds to do that portion of the mentoring um, and not do it with Anakin's Force Ghost because we know he has a Force Ghost because he shows up at the end of um, mm-hmm. Episode Six, uh, Return of the Jedi, which does leave some questions in my mind as to like how did he figure out how to do that so quick? <laughs> it took <laughs> Qui Gon and Obi Wan <laughs> so long, but. Because um, he's the chosen one, Patrick. <laughs> like that's yeah. the more I think about it, the more uh, the more different that her portion of that story is. Yeah. Um, what's interesting, speaking of like time and stuff. So you mentioned it took Qui Gon a while to learn to like project his, I guess, his appearance. Um, and he was, you know, I wanted to say, um, forced voice, but you saying like voice in the, in the mind, like I was just like, oh, that, yeah, that's, that's more like it. Um, but I think, um, it shows us that it does take quote unquote time for them to like learn or continue their training in the afterlife, at least for Qui-Gon, because, um, I think think it was where was the first time that his voice kind of showed up was it um to Yoda like when Yoda is just sort of um I think it's in the Clone Wars where Yoda's like meditating and Qui-Gon is calling out to him and he he's like you know asking Qui-Gon is that you and he says he he explains he's part of the living force so there's like, um, he's saying that he, he can't, he, this is the way that he can communicate with him. Um, and he sort of guides him with his voice in the, that episode arc when Yoda is, is learning about the force, um, next level. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, to me, it just seems like, uh, something like time is experienced because they go through, at least he did, went through this process of learning after death. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then I at the look- same... Well, go ahead. I was going to say, I was looking up this whole, the whole um, difference between Qui-Gon who learned and others who didn't seem to learn. And it looks like as early as the episode Attack of the Clones, so Star Wars Episode 2, Qui-Gon was speaking as a disembodied right. voice. That's right. Um, I was not able to pinpoint, like, when that happened, because it, it's listed on Wikipedia, but it doesn't cite, like, f- like timestamps when this even happened, yeah. so I don't, no, I don't even I, remember when this happened. It's, so. like, soon after his death, isn't it? Well, he doesn't die in episode two. He dies at, like the very end of episode one. Well, so, like, yeah, I don't even remember when it would when it happened in 
episode two. I know it happens in Clone Wars. There's like six episodes mm-hmm. where Qui-Gon shows up as a disembodied voice in Clone Wars and on the Mortis planet. But I don't remember anything in episode two just off the top of my head when he shows up as a voice. Okay. Well, anybody who's watching the, the movie right now and also listening yes. to the podcast at the same time, please email us. <laughs> Star Wars at SQPN.com. Um, yeah, but this whole time thing, it's like, it's interesting because they must go through this uh, training or whatnot, but they also, I guess, can't see the future because when you look at the original trilogy and you look at Obi-Wan and Yoda trying to get Luke to not go so soon um, to encounter Vader and, um, you know, they want him to finish his training, be patient and all that. Um, they, they say stuff like only a fully trained Jedi with the force as an ally will conquer Vader and the emperor. So clearly they cannot actually see into the future or like be present to the future kind of like, you know, God is in the Christian, you know, understanding of where the Catholic understanding of God, that God is like always in across time. So like there is no time for God and God just sees all at the, at the same time, quote unquote. Um, so that's interesting too. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like how, how do they get their information? Like, are they, do they pick up a couple people that they hover over, you know, or around <laughs> or, you know, like, cause it's yeah. not a physical being. So are they like the angels? Do they just get what they need to know from the force? from the living force from yeah. How does that work? (laughs) It just raises further questions. (laughs) One thing that one thing it reminds me of is whenever we see Jedi meditating where they have visions and they're imperfect visions. Mm. Um, I'd have to rewatch episode five to confirm this. Um, But it does seem was it six? I want to say that either Yoda or Obi-Wan as a force ghost makes a false prediction like Mm -hmm. of what will happen Mm -hmm. if Luke faces Vader. I think it was the first time. I think I think uh, I think Obi-Wan. Yeah. Obi-Wan says then we're lost or then we are. Yeah, the Emperor has already won. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it makes me wonder if he likes saw that as a vision or if he's just like making predictions with the knowledge that he has and the Mm -hmm. presuppositions that he has in or has assumingly in in death you know um otherwise they he would just say oh well you see luke you can just go ahead and try and face vader and just say goodbye to your whatever right arm or right hand whichever (laughs) hand we lost right or left you tell me um (laughs) what's his lightsaber arm right so that's, that's lightsaber yeah, yeah. That is, right is right right it's, it's his right, right. <laughs> yes uh, it's always yeah. the, the lightsaber arm the blaster arm that's the arm that gets cut off yep. naturally <laughs> yeah. no for anakin it's right yeah well there's yeah it's it's like um this other thing about like they can't it's weird because Obi-Wan says he cannot interfere 
if Luke faces Vader alone or faces Vader Mm -hmm. early, I guess. Um, But then at the same time, you know, Luke catches the lightsaber and Yoda brings down the lightning, which causes the fire. So it's like how they interfere or interact with the natural world and what the limits are on that are not completely clear to me. And I don't know if you guys can bring some more clarity to that. Um, I mean, it seems like there's a very real uh, interference in the fight between Ray and the emperor at the very end. Um, oh yeah. With, and so that's like, I don't know, a dozen hundred force. Who knows? Right. She, she, she makes the claim that she's all of the Jedi. Right. Um, and, it's interesting to me that she obviously they can interfere then, but they can't interfere. You know, uh, Obi Wan can't interfere with Luke fighting Vader uh, on Bespin. Uh, it would I, like it feels to me like if there were some sort of limiting factor because of like dark dark side influence or or some piece of that that. You know, Exegol would be like the worst possible place for Force <laughs> Ghost to be or go or whatever. <laughs> you know, the Sith planet. Uh, and yet they all kind of are able to show up there. Um, at the same time, I kind of feel like maybe it's got something to do with the Skywalker Destiny stuff. And um, maybe there's a piece of... Cause, and I know we're going to talk about like the, the will of the force and destiny and fate and all that, but Star Wars does tend to, to side more on kind of the faded side of things. And it sort of seems like what Obi-Wan is saying is like it, it, I don't know if he's saying he can't so much as he, it wouldn't matter. Like it would be sort mm. of like anytime I would try and help you there, it would end up tripping you up. Um, and so the best chance you have is actually on your own. Um, but it's, it's curious, right? Because it doesn't like, he's not in this one place, which seems kind of like neutral ground and somewhat innocuous, but in this other place, which seems like very dark side force centric, the force ghosts can all come out and play. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know. Do you have something better? Hopefully. (laughs) Well, I guess I don't know if there was just a narrative reason like that's my guess to be honest like in the same way that Gandalf can't just whisk the eagles and have them fly into Morador (laughs) in in the same way that you know you can think of a dozen different examples off the top of your head from your favorite fandom why x thing x intervention can't happen in Mm -hmm. the same way why you can't just like we're not playing Skyrim here. We're not fortify restoration looping um, our way to a plus one million dagger. For anyone who gets that reference, you're really cool. I like you. Um, like, there's got to be a limit in some respect whenever you introduce cool thing. Otherwise, cool thing becomes meaningless thing. Um, I think the best explanation is that Obi-Wan by himself versus Vader, who who knows if the Sith have methods of counteracting force ghosts because lore dump, the Sith cannot become force ghosts. Um, 
What? So maybe, no. yeah, they actually can't. That's why they try to live forever. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. why they try to live forever. That's why they go Darth Plagueis the Wise mode. Um, <laughs> so my guess is if you wanted to, like, come come up with some, you know, Star Wars lore version, probably the Sith have ways of counteracting Force ghosts. And... You know, that doesn't explain why in The Rise of Skywalker, a hundred force ghosts show up and like channel themselves through Ray, kind of. But I don't have a good answer for that. Um, if someone else does, well, email us at well, our email. I'll email you <laughs> right now. Um, yes, right I'm, now in the podcast. New Go. message from Angela. <laughs> Go for it, Angela. Um, well, I'm just thinking, like, we don't actually, like, we hear their voices, but are they just, like, in Ray's head for that moment, right? Like, I'm Mm -hmm. not forgetting anything. Like, they don't actually show up, right? We don't see, like, hundreds of... I've only seen The Rise of Skywalker once, so (laughs) I don't remember that well. Well, Um, um, I'm pretty sure that we only hear their voices. Um, I've watched it a couple times. And they don't like fight the emperor. They don't like come out yeah. swinging against. Yeah, that's true. It, like I, the impression that I seem to remember is that you know, yeah, Luke says there are a thousand generations live in you now, right? Like from the trailer, um, and we hear their voices and they're like encouraging her. But it seems to me almost like that moment where, um, she's on what's it called, like a Star Killer base. And she's like, oh, yeah, the force. And she closes her eyes and she sort of like taps into the force and and just goes with it. Right. So it seems like another version of that, um, but maybe more intense because of the will of the force or she has trained now and she's a Palpatine and it's the end of this like episode nine so um yeah it's like all of the above but i don't think necessarily that you have to say that the force ghosts are interfering with like the actual battle or whatever in that moment yeah so like a different mode of operation basically and and maybe yeah and like maybe to take it another direction, like maybe force ghosts can't maybe force ghosts see um like the flow of time in a way that living beings can't, and for that reason are like maybe they're like deterministically aloof, you know, like they can't they can communicate information, but they can't exactly like you know move a lightsaber out of the way to avoid to to help someone avoid like a lightsaber strike you know but it's not like one it's not like telling luke hey don't fight the emperor is any different sorry don't fight vader it's not like obi-wan telling luke to not fight vader is much different than him moving vader's lightsaber away from hitting luke or something like that yeah i mean it could just be because again, I'm thinking about like Luke catching the lightsaber that Ray throws. So like there's there is this ability to, you know, like he he essentially saved the lightsaber from mm-hmm. um melting or whatever it would do. But I guess 
it has to do with, yeah, like almost like time travel. Like you can't see yourself when you time travel mm-hmm. or else like you'll create these ripples and whatever. So that was also Luke's lightsaber. I think there might be some significance <laughs> there. Like that was true, his. True, so true. maybe there's some rules that he's allowed to break in that moment because he um, that's a very strong connection for him with the force in mm-hmm. life and in death. Right. Yeah, potentially. I'm curious what theories people will come up with here with this, but, um, you know, with like, he does pick up the X-Wing too, but that was also his, so. Right. That was also his, yeah. 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 So. There you go. We'll see. Although Yoda does burn the tree, and I don't think that That was Yoda's tree. Was it his tree? No, I just made that up. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a second. (laughs) (laughs) It was his favorite books (laughs) that they stole from the Jedi Temple. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so they can interact with the natural world, but maybe they can't affect like people's destiny or something or however you would say it you know so yeah mm-hmm. um so i mean let's get into then the aspect of so we have these like limited you know force ghost sightings or whatever that we're talking about but we've also like been exposed overall in the star wars to like a lot of different cultures in Star Wars that have different, I would guess, different opinions about the afterlife. Um, Are there any that you can think of that we've been sort of told potentially maybe not like the afterlife, but maybe like how the force interacts with us or our ancestors or I don't know, like do any of those things come to mind? Just talk, bringing in the afterlife a little bit more into the, the discussion here. The Dathomirians. Okay. Like that's a massive one. You know, mm. they seem to, they seem to almost have a form of ancestor worship in a way. Um, um, or at the very least something akin to like, relics i mean morgan elspeth receives the sword of talsund who was dead at this time presumably that's not presumably either that was her sword that she wielded at some point or it's like a spirit blade um so i think that like the way the death think about the force and death and life all are much much different than um than how the jedi think about the force of death um they see it a bit more of a a coming and going sort of way yeah i'm thinking of um so we don't see very many um funerary rituals in star wars we don't see them talking too much about death in general uh, in in the sort of like what comes next, uh, the one we really get in full full plain view is the one in Andor because it's the central piece of an entire episode, and it's Andor's mother. Um, and so there is very much 
a feeling of continuance of, you know, they, you know, they get cremated and turned into a brick and then put in as part of the city. So they literally become part of the city. And then they have their final kind of saying, and that becomes part of the city too, right? Their, their eulogy for themselves, which is kind of a neat concept, but <laughs> it's, you know, kind of embedded within their brick in the city. Um, so there is this concept, it seems like, among some cultures, at least the, I'm not going to say imperialized, but maybe civilized, I don't know how to put it, that there is some sort of continuance on after death. And it is, you know, kind of rooted in the physical world, but that I'm going to guess it probably has spiritual significance as well. Um, what it, it sort of reminds me of is the con it, conceptually what I could see is if you had people, you know, not necessarily Jedi or Sith, but just people who were force users on a planet who, you know, naturally very strong in the force you know, use it for good over their whole lives and then discover a way to continue on somehow and become force ghosts. And then the next practitioner of the village or the tribe or the, you know, the group, the large, you know, continent, whatever it is, would be visited by them and they would become the next shaman. And that's, that speaks to me very much of sort of the shaman, the practice, shaman, uh, shamanistic practices, the sort of the spirit, the person who talks with the spirit, who lives a very different life. It was a very aesthetic lifestyle. And, you know, they avoid certain foods and certain acts and certain things in order to make themselves presentable to the spirit world in order to interact with it. And that strikes me as very in tune with this concept that you could have a force ghost come about like outside of necessarily the Jedi is just on a planet. And, but we don't see that. Um, we haven't seen that sort of explored yet. And so I am, I'm very curious because it, it, to me, it feels very natural that it, that Force Ghosts would sh kind of show up outside of necessarily the Jedi. Um, yeah, so that's, mm -hmm. that's the thought that occurred to me on that one. Well, one um, other culture that comes to mind since I revisited Andor recently is the Aldani um, culture. Oh, because yeah. I remember that that particular chieftain that meets with the officer um on the night i forgot what they call it but the eye the eye um during the eye or right before the eye happens that chieftain comes up and and says tell him our ghosts have strong hands and long memories so obviously that gets mistranslated and that's part of the you know plot but um that just tells us that the Dani people like have um, this tradition of ghosts, like this tradition of at least um, that kind of memory and, and passing on. And, um, you know, even if it's, even if him saying our ghosts have, and by that meaning our memories, you know, our, our people's memory collectively um, there is this idea that, you know, those things live on in some mysterious and, um, powerful way. So it's, it's interesting that we were talking about two instances of, you know, death in the afterlife in this series that was said to like be void of 
the force, you know, yeah, quote the, unquote. The least spiritual <laughs> force. The least spiritual Star Wars episode the yeah. series. It's, yeah. Oh, I did also want to mention Star Wars Vision season two, episode three, where the um children's parents are referenced as becoming stars. Um mm-hmm. which I don't think is a euphemism given that that particular race has a history of force sensitivity. So there may be an even more um, immediate forms of um, sort of post-mortem force manifestations that can exist. Yeah. I know know Visions isn't canon, but I don't care. It's cool. You know? (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's exactly how I feel about Visions. I'm like, I don't care. It's cool. It's, it's, yeah. it's canon exactly. in my head. <laughs> Only my head canon is yeah. canon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there are you whole, do that, Ryan. There are whole sections of episode <laughs> two that just didn't that. happen. <laughs> you do you. At least in Star Wars. <laughs> um, well, I mean, just to kind of, I mean, we could go on and on. Is there anything that you want to say about the mechanics of force ghosting and afterlife like that you feel is important to the discussion? Because, of course, there there's like that whole arc we've been mentioning where um, Yoda learns sort of how to become how to project himself and how to commune with the living after death. But um, is any of that? you think particularly important to sort of discussing overall, like what is being portrayed and communicated in um, or with force ghosts in star Wars. I think force being a force ghost always seems to be attached to goodness and the light side of the force. That's something to keep, to keep in mind, you know, um, and not all Jedi can become forced ghosts, which probably means that only the most use an anachronism, the most holy Jedi get to be forced ghosts. You know, they don't. Probably Jedi Master Krell is going to be a forced ghost, and that's a good thing. You know, um, Clone Wars fans will understand. that. <laughs> <laughs> we hate him. i you know it's interesting to me we think about like you know our own sad uh scary ghosts and (laughs) um the theme around them is always um something left undone right it's always i had something i was trying to do and now you know unless it's I think Jimmy breaks it down into hauntings and actual spirits and um so an actual spirit is trying to get something done right there there something is left undone and that honestly that is very much the feel I get about the force ghosts in uh, Star Wars now fortunately they're not scary <laughs> at least to to the people they're talking to and I, I kind of I wonder about that if there is like a way to become a force ghost if you don't have a part to play in the coming drama, right? If you if there's nothing, you know, there's there's nothing you had left to teach your mentees, you know, cuz it seems like what we have for most of the force ghosts is that 
you know, whoever they were teaching, they died too early to teach them everything they were supposed to, or that they, they wanted to, um, you know, however you want to put that. And so there is for me very much a feeling of like they, the force ghost exists because it's still trying to get something done. Um, and so I like the fact that they're only light side, um, because if they were dark, if there were dark side force ghosts, that takes a very evil bent, right? It always points towards like possession towards like controlling the people to get things done. Like you would haunt them in order to get them more like our ghosts, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of like the, the mentor, uh, force ghost, the good wants to see the person succeed, wants to see them accomplish whatever goal it is that they think is going to bring balance or a, you know, well, it's always balance. It always seems to be balance that they're talking about, or or something. And that that's the other kind of piece of it. They always seem to be a little more connected in with the bigger goings on of the world. Like their scope of knowledge is broadened from what they had, but still, still limited somehow. So it's a lot of questions. But I I like the fact that they're they still have this theme of unfinished business, but from a good perspective and not, you know, kind of the perspective we get in our world. Well, I think actually now that we're talking about this, you know, like the saints and so forth, like we call them apparitions, which is basically like a ghost, right? Like Mm -hmm. Jesus appearing, Mary appearing, you know, um, saints appearing, angels appearing, souls from purgatory, you know, so to speak, like coming back to, you know, ask for prayer, or maybe, I don't know if there's like stories of a soul coming to warn, you know, somebody to like repent or something. But this is, there is, I think, this tradition that we have of the good ghost, quote unquote, like in our, our world, um, but we don't call them ghosts. We call them something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's, you know, like the, it's, it's, it's the interesting thing about the English language, right? We went from calling mm-hmm. everything ghosts from our Germanic origins to shifting slowly towards spirit, um, from the French or yeah, the French origin that goes back to Latin. And then, and then the two words got their own meanings. Um, cause nowadays you say the word spirit, people think of one thing and you say the word ghost and they think of another, but the two words used to be much more conflated. They were much more the same word. Um, that's sorry. I'm being an English nerd. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> cause I'm thinking of like, there's still traditions that say the Holy ghost, right? Holy ghost. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like, I mean, obviously star Wars is not, there's no one there's no one for one like with force ghosts into modern like a modern culture in the real world but i'm trying to think of like the closest um the closest like real world example to what a force ghost would like be in in a in a culture that exists in the world today um i was trying to think of like i was trying to think of the closest analog i think that i think to be honest like the saints are pretty close. They're they're really close actually to to like what the Star Wars concept of a force ghost would be. 
with the only thing being like they aren't they're not like in communion with like one supreme god of the force know of in Star Wars lore and they seem to have fallible knowledge so I can't really think of like you know I was thinking of like like uh, Shinto concepts of like ancestor worship Mm -hmm. but that doesn't really have like a good analog to like manifestations that doesn't seem to exist in like the Shinto belief if someone knows more about that I defer to someone who has more knowledge but I couldn't think of that would have been like the other closest one I could possibly have brought up. Mm-hmm. Well, something else to kind of throw in the mix here. Um, Qui-Gon, when he is guiding Yoda in the Clone Wars series, he says, mm-hmm. I have been tasked with guiding you forward. Mm-hmm. So he is, um, you know, literally bringing in the idea of the will of the force, that there is a positive will of the force that, okay, so-and-so, this is your mission, go do it. Um, And we're going to have a whole episode on the will of the force. So stay tuned for that. But, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, that, um, I think that would tie more into, at least from my understanding, that would tie more into like a Western Judeo-Christian God. Um, Right. Like, um, having one particular person receive one particular task and this ghost like has a specific task as well. I'm sure that, you know, there's folklore stories from all different, you know, cultures with something Mm -hmm. similar, but um, yeah, there's, there's that whole concept too. um, Force ghosts having Mm -hmm. a mission. Yeah, I think um, I think I would agree because like I'm I've been racking my brain on that one, and I don't think I think you're right. I don't think there's another there's a better analog than the Saints. Um, simply from it's a, a really good one, right? Like because the vast majority of other um, you know, religions or or uh, spiritual practices typically involve with ancestors or with the dead involve some kind of worship. Um, that goes along with it. So whether you're talking um, Shinto with the spirits or the elders in Confucianism or, um, you know, the the and, or, <clears throat> spirits of the dead, when you're talking about Vodan or, or any of those, you're, you're always kind of involving worship in the process. Um, worship mm-hmm. and appeasement, you right. know, you could say. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's almost like the, the spirits are always ticked off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've always got to make them, make them happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, as you were talking, as we were talking about other religious analog, possible religious analogs to force ghosts, I did want to bring up probably the most unique force ghost in the Star Wars world, which is Kanan Jarrus. Who manifests who not you could as? Say, is there really a force ghost? But, but okay, go it's for important it. <laughs> because unlike other force ghosts or manifestations of the force, he mm-hmm. does appear as an animal, um, or at least has some sort of significant um, attachment to a particular animal, which is very much in line to certain Native American spiritualities mm-hmm. um but in the form of like like a spirit guardian there, it's not really 
like it's not a spirit a guardian. It, it's not a one-to-one, but it is like kind of the closest analog. If we're going to talk about like a really specific example. Also, I think the Kanan example is a really good way of showing how force ghosts and in, even within Jedi are not always the same. So True. I wanted to bring that up just as a closing thought. <laughs> oh, OK. You're going to close on that note. All what? right. No, that's <laughs> not immense. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just thought that was hilarious because I was like, you know, we could have a whole debate on whether that's a force ghost or not. Yeah, or I'm going to drop a bomb and then like float away like a ghost. Okay, actually, you know what? On that note, I'm going to leave it there because you know what? I want to hear from everybody yes. out there about what you guys think um, about Kane and Jerris, whether he was actually a force ghost in the form of Doom the Wolf. Um, and what your opinion is about all these things that we've discussed. Um, we want to thank those who have chimed in on our YouTube channel about um, our discussion on the light side and the dark side. So shout out to usernames Mizimod and Darth Loverboy Turned Loose. <laughs> Now that's a name. Fantastic name. Now that's a real name. <laughs> so, that's a force ghost name. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a force ghost you don't want after you. We don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine meeting that. You <laughs> love the Death Star that shows up on uh, on Endor. <laughs> So all of you who are listening, um, what reflections do you have about Force Ghosts, the afterlife? Send us an email, starwars at sqpn.com, or you can find StarQuest on Facebook, facebook.com slash starquestmedia. You can find our YouTube channel, uh, StarQuest Media. And uh, if you're on the app formerly known as Twitter, find us at sqpn. We also invite you to join us on Discord. We have over 800 folks who have joined the community there. You can go to sqpn.com slash discord to join our Discord server. And stay tuned here to the podcast for upcoming shows diving into the will of the force, the wills, and the chosen one, and so much more. So subscribe to Secrets of Star Wars in your favorite podcast app or on the YouTube channel for StarQuest Media. All our previous episodes can be found at sqpn.com slash Star Wars. All right, so until next time, Patrick Mason, thanks for joining the party today. That was great. I love being here. <laughs> and Ryan, thanks for joining us as well. Thank you. Um, once again, I am the one in the middle, the Bendu, Angela Ciolana. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. There's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy, The Catholics of Oz. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash oz.